Welcome to Try Not to Blink, a podcast about the ups and downs, ins and outs, news, tips, and tricks of those who live the optometry lifestyle. We'd like to thank the amazing people at Valley Contacts who have made this podcast possible. Makers of stellar gas permeable lenses and the oh-so-incredible custom-stable scleral lens. In case you're wondering, I'm on the East Coast. I'm Dr. James Diem, and I'm joined by my talented co-host, who's repping the West Coast, Dr. Roya Habibi. What's up, Roya? What's up, people? I have a strong urge whenever you say West Coast to, like, throw up a West Coast sign. What? what? West Side? My fingers... <laughs> W. It's crazy. It is end of September. Give me a highlight of the summer, Jimmy. I just I, summer's this, over. It's so sad. This summer was the best. I the we were best. at the pool a ton. Great. I, we took a trip to Bar Harbor, Maine. Okay. Uh, my whole family. It was wonderful. We had a wonderful time there, and. Um, we went to Myrtle Beach. We had a wonderful time there. And then we wrapped up the summer in uh, Madison, Wisconsin at Ironman a couple of weeks ago. So strong. It was great. I had a pretty great summer too myself, I'd say. We started early summer in Austria, Croatia, Greece. That was amazing. Pretended like I never was coming back. Oh really thought about it. Awesome. Then I visited a friend in Denver. I saw a moose. No one else has, but oh I saw one. Got to go to the Valley Contact Summit in nice. July, which was great. Two seconds. What What is that? I don't think we talked. What is the Valley Contact Summit? Valley Contacts has a annual conference for any... Uh, contact lens residents that are finishing their program. So at the end of their program. In th- my eyes, this might be the number one reason to do a contact <laughs> right? residency. I mean, if it's a great program. I luckily, it's very, I'm the only person, I think, aside from people from Valley that have done this, but I've essentially gone to all but maybe one because my first year when I started my program, that was the first year they had this. And it was a smaller group. I think there were maybe like 15 docs that came or maybe 12 or 15. And the only reason I went is because my um, fellowship director, Derek Louie, was asked to speak. So he was like, I'll come, but I'm bringing my resident. Yeah. (laughs) So I got to go. And then the next year I got to go. And then the year after that, I got invited back as a guest and so on. So anyways, it's an awesome program. It's really cool because they they focus on a curriculum that's really practical for graduating. It's no longer teaching you about scleral lens applications. It's about how do you actually practice with scleral lenses? Right. Um, how do you talk to lab consultants? Uh, so it's, a, it's an awesome program. I love being involved. Anyways, after that, I went to Outside Lands in August. That's in San Francisco. It's a music festival, which I love going to. I used to live in San Francisco, so it's a great little reunion with all my best buddies. Better than the Fire Festival. Better than the Fire Festival. It's a, it was a success, to say the least. We spent the weekend of Labor Day in San Juan Islands, which are an awesome set of islands, beautiful islands, up in just north of, of Seattle. Really? And yeah, it's beautiful. They're so you know, rustic. In fact, there are many islands that aren't even inhabited. They're all national parks. And huh. we're lucky enough to have friends that own a boat, a fishing boat. So we went I'm fishing with boat. them. I know, it was really awesome. I pretended like it was my boat, but obviously it wasn't. 
So what anyways. What was the weather like there at that time of the year? Was oh, it? Oh, so nice. I mean, it was probably high 70s, low 80s, sunny. Okay. It was great. Yeah. Foggy you don't in the get morning, in the water but it was great. Yeah. There. Oh, yeah. We could have gotten in the water. You could. Okay. Yeah, easily. Okay. We, we went kayaking, actually. It was great. Hmm, And then, yeah, now actually adult-like, we are selling our van, which is very sad. I've told most of our listeners now that we have a Sprinter van. Your van van lady. An RV, Westphalia Sprinter van, and we're about to buy our house. Is that what's happening? Yeah. I didn't know that. Extra adult-like, so we need the dollars. Okay. Where are you going to move? Are you moving? We're actually purchasing our house where we've been renting. Oh, get out. Okay. So we've Makes put together sense. a contract in March. I think we'll be buying it. But Why anyway. pay their mortgage? Pay your own mortgage. It worked out. I know. It's great. So, okay. yeah. It's pretty exciting. But we're really sad. If anyone's interested, check out WalterWesty.com. <laughs> it's pretty great. It shows You're selling it. Like, legit. It's listed. We created a really beautiful website. By we, I mean Patrick, my husband. Oh, and nice. it's super cool. But anyways, that's that. But three weeks from now, we're going to be at Academy which is crazy. I feel like it was just yesterday. Looking forward to that. Get a oh, little yeah. CE. Slash and I hear, CE. I mean, Mickey Mouse, right? I mean, it's in Orlando. True. So I'm doing my first lecture, which I'm really excited about. So I'll let everyone know awesome. as the time gets closer. But we're doing, I'm doing a panel discussion, rapid fire. Can you uh, give us a teaser to get people excited about it? Um, kind of cool. If, this is not my idea, but I'm doing it with um, Dr. Jake Lang, who was a guest of ours in the past. It's kind of uh, a big deal because he's been on the podcast. Obviously. So. Uh, Dr. Jackie Garlish, who runs uh, the 2020 oh, Glance. Out. And yeah. uh, Mark Bullboats. Uh, Bullboats. Yeah. <laughs> He's our glaucoma expert. So anyway, we're going to do a year in review where we're going to talk about um, basically a rapid fire. Think about like um, pardon the interruption on ESPN where you have topics and you only have a set number of time to talk about each topic. So we're just going to review everything cool that happened in the past year. I related. I love it. Awesome. It's gonna be cool. It's kind of a, a unique setup. We're gonna have a really nice presentation. That's not gonna be your boring standard t- presentation. So it should be pretty awesome. Looking forward to it. So anyway, that's Academy in four weeks, and then we'll tell you at the end of our discussion another event we will both be at in a month from now as well. So that's that. We have a cool talk to get to, but before we go to that, we'll do a little tip for you all. I thought, I mean, we've, we've done this in the past, but it's been a little bit. So I thought an eye-coding tip would be Cheer a it. good thing worth talking about. So eye procedures has logged about a million dollars in errors. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? 13% of the error rate among these claims sourced $100 million in errors. And Cha-ching. the vast majority of these improper payments which is 75% of it, were due to insufficient documentation. Yeah. That's so scary. So anyway, whether that be (laughs) you're not documenting for a procedure that you've done or you um, aren't completing your assessment and plan for um, a particular uh, test that you did or even things as simple as you're not documenting the – the history of present illness or you're not getting enough of your um, 
review of systems per the code that you are using. So it's a simple thing. We actually just had a new doctor join us. She's a cornea specialist. She's great. I really love her. But we've been doing a lot of reviewing because she just got out of her program and she hasn't had to do that much for billing. She's actually training her scribe as well. She knows nothing. She doesn't really know that much. She doesn't. And yeah, and she's like, how do you, why would you do an ENM code or an I code? Why do a level three and not an intermediate code? And it's like, I don't even know when I learned all this stuff, but it just like kind of comes to you after you get enough errors or whatever but yeah and that's the thing i don't think you know we had a course in it in school it's like how many courses could you do like on this i mean unless we actually had like a full-on like semester course where you had to like memorize like the levels and maybe that's what we need to do because i mean the problem with it is it's always it's it's constantly changing it may change again and but it's such a important part or cornerstone of our you know, what we do, maybe it should have that much time dedicated to it. But what I found is when we were learning it, it was so impractical and so vague and so hard to conceptualize that we went over it. But until you really do it day in, day and out, you don't, you're never going to learn. The only and even thing, then, yeah, the only thing I literally remember from class was somebody saying, and I don't even remember what doctor it was that taught us this, but a level five means wheels off the bus. <laughs> That's all I remember. The wheels are off the bus. Wheels are off that. the bus. What does that even mean? So maybe I've built like two level fives because wheels are rarely off the bus. Right. But that's not true either. Like, And, and even just talking to Dr. Lee, my, my associate, it's like, you can bill a lot of level fives if you have you the could. right, do- like if you have the right documentation. And right. this goes back to this: seventy-five percent of people pr- improperly getting paid because of insufficient or improper documentation. And I would guess that probably ninety percent of optometrists have never billed a level five because it's they're scared to. It's afraid. It's true. Yeah. Um, the most common code used in eye care is. 99213 so level three code but that's not always the best both for actually one thing i learned is a new medicare patient or sorry a medicare patient pays more with i codes if they're new than enm codes the nine twos yeah so anyways little things but go do a refresher course on (laughs) coding everyone yeah so let's get to the meat and potatoes all right so We've had a lot of questions recently about young practice owners regarding practice management or how to open cold or all these things about running your practice. But now that you've opened your practice, like now what? Most of us are used to these practice models or we've been in practice models that are well established or you've been at your school where they've been open for years. But starting a new practice is kind of like starting or even starting a new service line is like a startup essentially. I I think uh, with that, you know, a lot of people just think I'm going to open the doors. I'm so damn good. People are just going to flood in. Right. All my prereqs are amazing. I'm so smart. My, I'm like great in the community, (laughs) blah, blah, blah. But really one thing a lot of us don't think about and a crucial piece most of us don't get in our doctor bag as we leave school is how to market ourselves or how to put our best foot forward to our community and not just by like our our resume, but how to actually like get out into the community and market yourself. 
And so tonight's chat's kind of unique because we have two extra important guests, two marketing gurus in a sense, if you will. But one has an optima optometric degree. Um, an optometric. I can't even say it. <laughs> we and, swear we're optometrists. And we what? know how to spell the word. Right. And one is uh, a managing partner and the president of a marketing company that's essentially exclusive for eye care providers. So without further ado, first I'd like to introduce Jeff Goodhue. He's an optometrist. He works in Canada. He owns a practice called Abbey Eye Care in Oakville. Um, he graduated from Waterloo and actually in the past couple years has been the president of the Ontario Association of Optometrists, is now a board member. He's got another, a pretty solid resume in some of his extracurricular things. We approve. <laughs> yeah. Partner in <laughs> uh, social practice, which is pretty awesome. It's a social media consulting firm for healthcare providers to navigate the social media world. So they provide workshops for optometrists, um, things to help better market yourself. Cool. Um, and he also has all these uh, licenses or like he's taken all these courses for SEO, Hootsuite, WordPress, Facebook marketing, etc. So like... He knows what he's talking about. He knows about. what's up. And then before we even say hi to him, <laughs> well, actually, us. hi, Jeff. Hey. Thanks, guys, for having me. I see you've, you've perused my LinkedIn profile. That's, that's where <laughs> that came from. I, I forgot about all of that, but yeah, that's, 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 it's all true. I like that. So story. I was going to say, if you put it on LinkedIn, does it just mean it's true? <laughs> yeah. Like, I know this, and it's on LinkedIn, so it's true. Does no, anybody was... fact check that stuff? You're right. I, I could have just put it up there, but no, I actually took those courses. I'm kind right. of a kind of a nerd. Uh, I love that All kind right. of stuff, and yeah, yeah, it's there. Well, thank you. Well, next up, and definitely not least up, Kevin Wilhelm. He is the co-founder and president of Marketing for ECPs, Eye Care Providers, which is a digital marketing firm for the eye care industry. They have a pretty cool model. Essentially, it's a membership model, but it includes things like custom website, copyright, SEO, marketing strategy, reporting, social media libraries or custom videos, etc. Um, but he's a pretty cool, uh, he's taken a pretty cool approach to his market or niche in presenting to simply really understanding the eye care field. So hi, Kevin. Hi, thanks for having me. We're so excited. Kevin's not an optimal <laughs> Yeah. No, even though I could put that on LinkedIn and Yeah, it right. It would be fine. We'd yeah. we would list it as one of your many accomplishments. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Optometrist from the University of Calgary. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Except they, except they don't have a school. That's right. a problem. Right. Exactly. But none of our US listeners would know that. So right. That's true. I'm just kidding. Well, before we even get to the fun part, we do this to all of our guests. So I don't know if you guys are active listeners of ours, but you have. You should be. You should, right. And if you're not, too bad. But um, we like to get every, to know everyone a little bit, um, like, not for what you're actually. Yeah, personally. Yeah. So, Jimmy, why don't you take the, take the reins here? All right, sure. We're going to just totally make you uncomfortable and break in fast and that here we go Roy doesn't even know what I'm about to say I know she's getting a little nervous Kevin boxers or briefs uh, boxer briefs oh all right good <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, doc uh, pizza or chicken wings pizza 
and topping. Oh, topping. Uh, I like veggies. So peppers, okay. hot peppers, pineapple. Pineapple. Yeah, like oh, you had me Fantastic. until pineapple. Pineapple pizza was actually invented by a Canadian, by the way. So I'm, I, come I, on. I'm going to wear the maple leaf on my, on Listen, my chest for this. Every podcast. time I talk, every time I talk to a Canadian, you're telling me about a Canadian that invented something. <laughs> no, seriously, he <laughs> just passed crazy. away a couple of years ago. It was London, Ontario. I don't Get know. Out. I don't know the backstory, but in the 70s or 80s, he invented Hawaiian pizza. Oh my God. <laughs> Kevin, are you a beer guy? I am. Last beer you drank? Uh, that would have been at the office. And, <laughs> Seven uh, minutes ago. <laughs> exactly. I'm still here. Uh, it was a, a micro brew from Calgary called right. Toolshed. Toolshed. Tool All right. Very good. All right. Go ahead, Roya. You're up. All right, Jeff. Um, what was the last vacation you took? Last vacation was to Quebec City. Quebec City. Yes. I've heard that's it. a beautiful little town. Quite French. It's it's the oldest city in North America. Get out! I know. See, Canada, you and I know, Canadians. I know. You, 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 you probably think it's Boston or exemplary something Exemplary like things. It's, if you ever get to Quebec City, you'd think you were in Paris. Cobblestones. It, it, yeah. it looks like you're in old Europe. It's amazing. Um, it's like you're in another country. How did that be the first city? <laughs> like, I need to look this up sorry. on a map, maybe. <laughs> It's up there it's, past uh, Montreal, right? It's before Montreal. So if you're on a ship coming Sorry. from Europe, it's actually closer than a lot of the parts in the Northeast okay. U.S. Cool. Very cool. I'm so confused Good. about the Boston part. How's that not it's, first? Anyways. How's that not first? <laughs> Just not, Roya. <laughs> Accept it. Um, Kevin, are you into Netflix and chilling? Uh, absolutely. Well, Recent what show. was your last Netflix uh, show you watched? Well, um, it's not actually on Netflix right now, but it's Billions, which is uh, so every. So I'm also Canadian, uh, and we have a similar provider up here called Crave. So same my huh. same kind of idea. We have Netflix as well, but uh, Billions is the show that I'm into right now, and it's on Crave. All right, I have to. We didn't talk about this yet, Ryan, but I just started watching a show, and it's been just it's ravaged my life over the last couple of weeks because i've had to run through the last couple episodes but it's called handmaids have you heard of this handmaid's tale handmaid's tale oh my god no. have you watched it it's that was uh, kevin so that was written by a canadian <laughs> Listen to this. No, everything comes from canada <laughs> and it's filmed in can it's filmed about an hour from my practice so yeah. shut up are you kidding me <laughs> no, no is this real life Yes, it is. This was not staged. I don't think no. that Jeff, we can even say anything that's not Canadian. Did you have you watched this show? It's really messed up, but yes, yeah, it course. is so crazy. It's very dark. It yeah. is. It's dark. so dark. Ooh, God. Yeah. All right. Hold on to the next thing. Um, all right. So let's get to the most important question, Jeff. If you and your inner being were to be wrapped up in a creature, what would it be? It's called your spirit animal. You know what? I like. There's this uh, spirit bear on the west coast of North America, found in the rainforest. It's kind of this white-looking bear. I just think it's so, so cool, so interesting. Uh, always wanted to see one. Maybe I'll get to see one sometime over my lifetime. But that's probably what I aspire to be. A spirit, a spirit bear. Spirit bear. That is so good, Kevin. That's not even a real thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it is. It is. Just accept Whoa. the fact that your spirit I, animal. Just... 
is gonna suck. In I know. I, as soon as he said a spirit bear, I'm like, well, it looks like right. a polar like, bear me, in the forest. Find that yeah, bear. it's just really more badass. knowledgeable. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't. I want something cool like that. Actually, Not kind of a, a funny story. I uh, was at a barbecue recently and at a friend's house, and the neighbors daughter came over she's about nine and she was doing spirit animal readings for everybody get out yeah so this is weird so i i looked i'm like hey what what am i and i'm like you know same thing i want to be a bear or a lion or something cool and she looks at me and she goes you can't choose it chooses you oh and (laughs) she tells me i'm like a um like a like a boar like a (laughs) yeah sort of pig i think she might have just watched uh, lion king but that is that's You're the spirit animal that I was Cuba. told by a, f- a friend's name. Do you feel so. like you embrace that? Uh, she creeped me out enough that I had to believe her. She. Uh, <laughs> it chooses you. It chooses like you. Yeah. I like that. Wow. All right. Good. We should start doing that. Picking. I agree. Picking it for I agree. them at the end. We'll start. All we'll right, start done. a new segment. New segment. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's get well, to the meat and potatoes. Yes. I'd like to start with Dr. Goodhue. So a little background. Uh, you aren't obviously, I mean, this isn't really background. Everyone already heard this, but you're not a marketing novice, okay? You have this social media consulting firm. You're on practice. You've obviously had experience, I'm sure, as the president of the Optometric Association. But why we brought you two on together is because you recently hired a marketing industry, <laughs> said marketing, company, marketing yeah. for eye care providers, for your office. And so tell us your situation a little bit what got you to the point where you decided to hire someone why would you do that yeah no good good question so like you said i'm huge interest in everything digital social marketing took all the courses that you mentioned on my linkedin profile Um, so basically self self taught built probably three websites we started our practice in 2005 so every three or four years i'd build a new wordpress website I'd handle the Google AdWords campaign myself, learn a little bit of Photoshop. Um, but I guess there's probably two basic reasons why we wanted to hand this over to an agency. The biggest one is we wanted our time back. So this, you know, marketing takes a huge amount of time to do this and to do it well. And also it's exhausting trying to keep abreast of all the changes in the digital space. It, just doing that, I think, is a, is a full-time job. Absolutely. You're speaking Roya's language. <laughs> this is the year of 2019. It's Roya's year of letting other people do stuff that she used to do. Exactly. Remind, did I say that right? Basically, yeah. <laughs> and yeah so, so number one reason was, was give us some of our time back. Yes. That's great. And I thought we were doing a pretty good job. I thought my AdWords campaign was doing well. But I think deep down I knew that there was just another level out there that I was never going to reach. You know, I'm seeing patients like you guys are during the day and there was a level I just was not going to get to. So for those two reasons, that's why we decided to engage with a marketing agency, but we wanted to, to hire a team that knew about eye care, knew all the terms and what our goals were. So there's not a lot of folks out there that are, that are really uh, smart in the eye care space. So we, we went through, what that list was and we we talked to some colleagues and eventually we we joined uh, or took on the services from from Kevin and his and his team. What uh you know here's the thing that you know, I'll probably pose this question to you also Kevin but 
the the problem that I, I own a practice and so the problem that I have because I've taken on a lot of the marketing decisions within our practice is everybody and their uncle and their cousin and their hairdresser is selling me search engine optimization the the newspaper the radio the seriously it seems like the supermarket down the street is selling it now first of all you know why why is that happening <laughs> kevin can you speak to that and then jeff what made you, how did you did you have that same experience where everybody was trying to do it and i think it's it's one of those things that you people can do on their own like you said you've been doing it for a long time but how do you know who does it good and and how do you keep on track with some of that stuff so hopefully you wrote all those questions down yeah you because answers I to all of them yeah in order alphabetical Kevin, you first. Okay, so why are there so many people calling you every week? Uh, In reference to this, it seems like a boom. To be honest, because it is not that hard to start. All you need is a laptop. So all four of us could essentially own marketing agencies. We all have a a computer we're sitting on right now. And you can can be self-taught. And there is uh, really very little barrier to entry. So when you talk about people that want to start their own business and live sort of a digital marketing lifestyle, which is you can work from anywhere, um, it's pretty attractive to get into. And so I think that's why you see a lot of it. Um, there's not a lot that lasts very long. And there is there are even fewer that sort of have a strategy that can produce results long term. And so it's, it's, we are in one of the most commoditized industries I feel in the world because you don't know if your agency is performing for you or or will until you actually try them. And, you know, commodity comes down to price and convenience. And so a lot of times these decisions are are made on those two factors. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but that's probably why uh, you see so many um, kind of agencies that exist. What you just said, uh, though, hit me really hard because, uh, you know, I find that marketing folks, they don't last, unfortunately. I Just as soon as I start to create a relationship with somebody at the local newspaper or, you know, the t- TV station nearby or whatever, um, they're gone, <laughs> you know, and, and it's so frustrating because you try, you just like, you know, anything that you do you try to build a relationship with somebody so that you can feel like you really trust them so i think having a consistency is very important what do you look for though in what did you find for the right marketing firm to go with jeff so i guess having a firm again like like i said previously who knows i care because there's only so many keywords and terms in our space, you know, cataracts, glaucoma, glasses, contacts, dry eye, whatever. I don't have to teach. I don't. I don't want to have to teach a marketing agency about my profession. Teach them what keywords to optimize for, what keywords to avoid. I wanted a team that knew that already, because uh, it, it's it's not my job to teach them. And I felt with some of the cold calls and emails I get on a daily basis, I'd have to teach those folks about about eye care. Right. Definitely. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. So, the, and then the question that I would have in response to that, and I, I, you guys are on tonight because we can ask you the tough questions. So I'm going to ask you a tough question. So this is what I would have said to somebody who said that to me. Well, you just created 
like 10 different templates. One that's really good in specialty contacts, one that's good on dry eye, one that's good on ortho K, one that's good in you know, primary care. And now you're gonna go out and try and get those types of things. So how does my dry eye practice then differentiate from your dry eye practice and, and so on and so forth? How is, is that, is it individualized? Is it, you know, do, is there time taken to learn me and my practice? Is that, that would be my concern. And then how would you answer that, Kevin? Yes, to me, it's, you do want some of that because what the consumer is searching similarly. So if they have dry right. eye, they have dry eye, you know, yeah. depending on where they are, they're right. going to be typing in certain symptoms. So there right. are parts of the, we'll call it a recipe that does work, which is what, you know, Dr. Goodhue uh, expresses you need somebody that understands what patients are looking for and the right, right messaging that's going to attract their attention, get them to trust you, things like that. Right. Uh, to your point about sounding the same, this is where marketing works. This is kind of where it takes off. And to me, marketing is about telling your unique story. And I find that so many businesses right now are telling the same story in eye care. And you can go back to their website, same images, the same headlines, the same pages, the same content, everything is the same, even on the same street. We've come across in in cities, the same street will have three or four eye care providers and they have the exact same websites with the same look, feel, words, everything. And so as a consumer, now think about, I'm trying to decide who I want to, you know, spend an hour with. Right. And who am I going to put my trust in? And I can't make a decision because they're all telling me the exact same story. Where true marketing is, is telling your uniqueness. And, you know, it comes down to the people that are in your practice. It comes down to the specialty, the years of experience, down to even just free parking and, and what, you know, type of insurance plans you take. Just everybody has a reason why they're in business and why they're still in business. And you guys kind of joked at the beginning about you put a sign at the front door and that's just, hey, we're open and everyone comes in. Right. But people are choosing you for a reason and they choose to come back for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I think the opportunity that so many people are, are missing is we, we fail to tell our story, our true story that attracts the right patients that we're looking for. There's almost a level though of I think when, especially for someone who doesn't really truly understand marketing, not trained in marketing, is where's the line of overtelling your story versus staying professional? And I think that's hard for sometimes me any sort is, of any form of is marketing. that even a line now? Because I mean, everybody's an influencer, and everybody's you know <laughs> talking about you know what they put on their pizzas and stuff. I mean, this is this is what we do. I mean. Is, is that, is that a line? Do we, is that something we stay away from or is that something we go towards? What do you think? Uh, so I don't think I've ever met an optometrist that I would worry would be crossing that line about professional and, and personal. Um, I would, I would, I think that, you know, in, in this industry, uh, most optometrists are very professional and I think if they were more personal, it would help them because <laughs> they, you know, the you stick out of your butt. Yeah, maybe. And, uh, <laughs> you know, again, if you're, if I'm choosing who to spend an hour with, you want to go with someone that you can relate to and that uh, appeals to you from a personal standpoint. So I think that we should be showcasing more of our personalities. Would you rather hang out with a podiatrist or an optometrist? That's the real question. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a joke about two of them walking into a bar somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, you talked about recipe. So what is the recipe in creating a marketing plan for someone? What does that really entail? Uh, number one is finding out what is unique. And the, the, the question I like to pose is, why would somebody, a new patient, drive by five of your competitors and choose you? Mm-hmm. And if you can't answer that, I, I, I think you may be in trouble long term. And Jeff, what is that for you? Yeah, like what well, is that? You know, why why is somebody coming? You know, Jeff can answer this because he's uh, he's an expert. Yeah, what was it for your office that you wanted to to highlight? Well, I think some of some of the learnings for me is, and maybe I'll pose a question to you guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you guys on the spot. Ooh. Please do. So the number one visited page on our website, of course, is the homepage. No sure. brainer. Okay. What's the second most visited page? And it's typically a common page on almost all websites. Contact us. No. Oh. I don't know. That's that contact us is third. Oh, I was close. Jimmy, can uh, you get two? The um like the doctors are about us. Exactly. It's the about <laughs> yeah. us page. Yep. It's incredible how much how many hits I went we to get your to that page. page. Yeah. And of course they they, they have to find it. They have to navigate to get there. And they spend time on that page. And to Kevin's point, they want to see the person behind the business. Huh. It's interesting. So, you know, for folks out there, one quick pro tip is spend, you know, take take a good look at your About Us page. Make sure it's updated. Make sure the, the, the pictures are good. Um, as far as, you know, patients driving by other optometrists to, to, to get to us, I think that's a combination of your digital presence and then your the in-person experience. So... If patients find some information on, on scleral lenses, and we have a bit on our website, we want to add more, but we, you know, the content on our website on sclerals, let's say it's, it's not massive. You know, we, we need to maybe do some more blogs or whatever. So the content there is pretty thin, but we have enough that patients will pick up the phone. And then when they call the office, we have to make sure our staff are trained to answer the questions. Because we will have patients that will drive past 10 clinics, clinics that do sclerals, but they come to us because... They read about us online, they picked up the phone, and the person at the end of the phone answered the questions intelligently. So it's 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 online and it's it's offline. I like that. Well, I have a question. So, Kevin, someone who's looking to get help from their practice, uh especially for Jeff. Jeff comes to your practice. He he probably is ten steps ahead of most practices that aren't doing any sort of marketing, have no experience. Yes, of course, he's trying to save himself time. But aside from saving him time, how did you feel being able to bring him value? You know what I'm saying? Without trying to be, you know, like, do you get what my question is? Yeah, yeah. So Jeff's an interesting case for me because I knew Jeff for, what do you say, Jeff, a couple years before we started working together, at least two Mm -hmm. or three years. And I had the highest respect for him. I actually uh, sat in some of his classes and, and watched him um, speak and train. And I, he, he was both the client I wanted to work with the most and the one that I feared working with the most. And the reason being is that he knew everything that we, were, that we do and was doing it already. And so I feared 
that we wouldn't necessarily be able to make the type of impact that we're used to making where the majority of our clients are, are ones that have, have invested very little in the past. Uh, and when we implement uh, you know, programs and strategies and increase the digital presence, you can just you visibly see the phone ring more often. Uh, with somebody like Jeff who is running his own AdWords, doing SEO, creating blogs, doing social media, Sometimes, you know, the impact is, uh, it may not be felt. Uh, but what I enjoy working with Jeff uh, so much is that he understands our world and can actually bring sort of a certain element of his, like what he's experiencing on the ground level in his practice and can speak our language. And so we actually have incredibly productive conversations. And just like you heard him say, you know, the content on our scleral pages isn't uh, overly robust. We can maybe add some blogging those are the types of conversations that we can have. And then we start strategizing. And the goal for Jeff, in the, let's say this quarter, would be to increase the amount of traffic and leads that he gets for the scleral side of his business. And then we implement those strategies and we actually see the results. And so what we find, and I guess the advice that I would give to anybody listening, is when you partner with a marketing agency, truly treat the relationship like a partnership. And Share what's happening in your business and what's happening in your practice uh, with your agency because they, they want what's best for you and they want to try to drive results. And the more information that you can share about what's going on and what you're seeing, the more in sync that the two parties can be. Absolutely. What about timeline? You know, a lot of times yes. people, you know, you're putting money into something and obviously you're doing this to get some sort of ROI and get more clients clients make more money and I think a lot of people are a little short-sighted and know you see the price tag and you're like oh god how do I know and we'll when should I expect <laughs> exactly what's the what's a timeline you should truly expect out of something like this uh, so different strategies have different timelines and I like to break marketing into two different areas one is lead generation and one is branding and advertising when we are launching a branding campaign, it's basically marketing to the general population in your area to let them know that you exist. And the point is that when you need an eye exam, you now start to think, oh, I, I know I've heard of them. You know, that's the whole I've heard of them, but I don't need you yet. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, it's just it's sort of building trust and awareness in my mind. That will have long-term ROI. Um, if you, I like to equate to McDonald's. Right now, if McDonald's decided to stop advertising for the rest of your life and you're on your deathbed and somebody asks you if you want a Big Mac, you're going to know that it comes from, from McDonald's. And so they've created and invested in that brand awareness that you associate uh, you know, a Big Mac with McDonald's. And so that's what branding is about. It's about creating that long-term sort of legacy play. Whereas lead generation is about marketing and advertising to the patients that need you today. And they're going on their mobile device, they're going on Google, and they're typing in, I need an eye doctor near me, I need contact lenses, I have uh, you know, an eye emergency, I need help right now, and I'm, I'm near the end of the buying cycle. Those are the people that you should see an immediate return because they have a wallet in one hand, a phone in the other, they just need a provider. And so when you look at dividing sort of your marketing into those two, the lead gen, which would be Google advertising, it's sort of what the yellow pages used to be. Uh, those are the ones that you're going to see a higher return quicker, uh, more quickly. And the advertising is what, and in, in branding, is that has a longer term play. So put, give me a number. I know well, this with, is general. 
obviously. Yes. So with a lead generation campaign with Google AdWords, you should see a return within 30 to 60 days. You should start seeing that money because as soon as the campaign goes live and someone types in an eye doctor near me, your ad can trigger and therefore somebody can call you and, and actually book a book a, uh, an appointment with you within you know that day. Uh, so essentially you could have revenue rolling in before you've even paid Google or before you've even paid your agency. On the other side, and we talked about SEO, uh, branding, advertising, there you should be looking at minimum six months to a year before you even evaluate what the change has been. And sometimes you want to look at year over year. And so how did this August compared to last August? And what did this quarter compare to last quarter? And those you want to take more of a a long-term approach. I like that. Is it possible? So so say you don't get anybody on the um, the immediate side, the first um, example you were saying, does it, is it possible you're in a location? Cause this is, this is probably something you hear from time to time. My patients are old. They don't go on the computer. Um, we get people, you know, just, they just come in because we take their insurance. Um, you know, it's, it's, it just isn't for me. And, and you know what, we tried it and it didn't work. We didn't get anybody. First of all, does that happen? Second of all, you hear that and what's your response? Because I, I feel like sometimes I want to say that even though I know it's an antiquated thought and times are changing. Um, yeah, I'd like to actually hear what, what uh, Jeff has to say. Uh, yeah, and what, maybe I can jump in after. I'm, what do you I, think, Doc? You know, I think, I think a lot of ODs out there don't have great websites. So let's say they decide to do an AdWords campaign. They're putting in 500 bucks a month. They're paying 500 bucks a month. So they have to be getting clicks because Google's only going to charge you when, when people click. Okay. But if the phone's not ringing, there's probably a reason why they went to the page. They didn't like what they saw. It looked old. It looked outdated. They went to the about us page, you know, didn't look great. Um, so yeah, if the phone's not ringing and people aren't walking in and they're clicking on your ads, there's, there's, there's an online offline misconnect that needs to be fixed. Yeah, and and I'll I'll add to that. I think it's just an expectation. There's a couple of things. One, let's say you hire a you have a, you have the right program in place. And if you feel it didn't work for you, it might be that your expectations were not aligned or you had no way of tracking. And I'll use the example of, uh, let's say to Jeff's example, you're investing uh, 200. And I hear that's a pretty common number, two or $300 in Google advertising. On average, if you're doing that really well, you're going to generate about 10, uh, 10 to 15 phone calls for that money. Are you gonna notice at the end of the month 10 additional phone calls that came in over a whole month? Probably not. A prob- you're not. And so even if you have, you know, if you see, let's see, 80% of them, eight new patients that come in in a month, unless you're tracking every single one and following it to how much they spent, but think about the return on investment. If eight new patients came in and they had an eye exam and think about your capture rate and what the average new patient revenue is, and now compare that total to $200 investment, it is working. Right. And so, but it's not making the impact that you want it to because People your expectations were a lot higher. I got higher. it on Google. Yeah. Totally, right? <laughs> like they're expecting $200 is going gonna, is gonna to be so busy. You have to hire additional, you know, associates and, and you're going to extend your hours. And the reality is, is working, but it's working in context. Uh, and so I, I find that to set the goals is the first step. 
How busy do you want to be? How many times do you want that phone to ring in a day, in a week, in a month? And then let's work backwards and say, okay, if, if, you're, if we could make the phone ring 10 times a day, how, what would that type of impact be on your, on your business? If the phone rang 10 times and you saw eight new patients a day, now times that by you know, 20, 22 days that you're open and you know, now you have serious revenue and then you work and say, how much would you invest you know, this month in order to achieve that type of revenue? And that's where you can start building uh, really effective marketing strategies. Well, tell me now, so we're talking about marketing strategies, this, that, but let's get to some like legit hardcore things to do. What's an important thing for an eye care practice to do for marketing step one, okay? Jeff, maybe you start. You don't put any money. Your website's 10 years old. Um, You've been seeing the same older population. Maybe you dabble in all sorts of types of optometry. But what's what's some basic things you should do? I think the first thing is you need to come up with a a plan. You need to come up with a, a marketing plan. So for the next 12 months, what are the things that you're going to do? You don't have to get into the tactics. You don't have to do a deep dive, but sort of big buckets. Are you going to do... You know, a quarter. So in our office, we do a quarterly promotion. Okay. So every, every 90 days, we have a, a frame offer, a lens offer, a contact lens offer, and we switch that over every 90 days. So okay. we sit down with our staff, with our team, and we'll say, okay, are, are, this, are there some brands that we want to clear out of the office? Are there some brands that have great brand awareness that the patients are really buying? Maybe we need to promote those. So sit down with your team, come up with a marketing plan special events like, you know, Black Friday sale, a sunglass sale in the summer, use it or lose it insurance benefits at Christmas, new year, new look. In in about an hour, you could probably come up with sort of a very high level marketing plan. Forget about the tactics. Just what are you going to do over the next 12 months? I think that's step, that's step number one. Hmm. I like it. Yeah. And even, even a step back uh, from there is... Yeah. yeah, so point, point, point five is um, who do you, what type of patient do you want to see? So, you know, you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, I only see these patients because I carry their insurance. How many patients, how many insurance plan patients do you want versus cash pay versus you say everyone's old? How many patients do you want to see that aren't, you know, in that age bracket? So first identifying what do you want the next three years to look like is the first step kind of visualize the future and say, this is the type of practice that I want to be in. Then take a step back and say, okay, I need to change the average age of new patients. I need to change the number of new patients I see. And kind of just really take that back and say, these are some high level things that I have to accomplish uh, in order to achieve the vision of my practice in three years. Then as Jeff said, yeah, you come up with a high level marketing strategy and then the first tactic would be your website and saying, everything I know now, I want to lower the average age, I want to see new patients, I want, maybe it's a sunglass sale, I want, to, I want to get people to spend more money in my dispensary. Look at your website objectively and say, is this website attracting the people that I want to start seeing on a daily basis? And we spend... And I'll say we, but the industry spends a lot of money on our dispensary with renovations and lighting and and, um, uh, merchandising. And we think that's the first impression when a patient walks in and sees how nice this is, they're going to know that, you know, it's, they're in a, they're going to be served in a, uh, with high customer service. They're going to see great brands. 
But in reality, your website is actually your first impression, even with referrals. If I go to Facebook and I ask for a referral of, a, of an eye doctor and I get three referrals, I'm still going to go to the website to validate which one of those actually you know, appeals to me more, who's closer and who has you know, what, what they're offering. And so that website is really the first impression. And so is your website attracting the type of patients that you want to see and achieving the goals that you want to achieve? So, Kevin, I've got a good story around that. So I went to a practice management seminar probably five years ago, and we had some homework to do before we, before we went to that, to that one day seminar. And so ahead of time, we had to email the instructor a picture of our location. So the first, the icebreaker was we're going through, we're looking at everyone's practices. So it's picture after picture after picture of, you know, medical buildings, strip malls, blah, blah, blah. They get to my picture. It's my homepage. And the instructor's like, um, I don't get it. I'm like, that's my location. That's the first impression that people have. It's not, you know, we hear location, location, location. We think real estate, physical real estate. It's your homepage. Right. People make decisions within 30, 45 seconds of whether or not they're going to come and see you. Far before I enter the door. I totally agree. Exactly. As a like textbook millennial, every doctor I get referred to or I have to go see, I absolutely know everything about their about us page i think it's a bonus when there's a video <laughs> and i can hear what they're going to talk like i don't know why but i really like it it's such a little thing but it's so true it when you can't see i, I recently was referred to see a specialist and someone had said a name and i couldn't find their website online and it literally i just ignored the referral i found a new one i was like i'm not even gonna go to that person they may have a lot of experience but if you can't even make me a website and show me what I'm supposed to expect, it's just a bad, bad, uh, I don't know, bad first impression. It's true. Yeah, like a referral will get you in the door. Oh, yeah. But the website and your marketing and your story and just how you represent yourself is what's going to close the deal. Oh, yeah. Totally agree. Well, one thing I want to share with all our listeners is uh, as a partnership between uh, Jeff and Kevin or your, the companies that you guys were – in the help that you guys were doing for for uh, Jeff's co company, you did a case study after the quarter of launching the the marketing campaign. And Jeff, would you mind sharing some of the findings that you all had? Sure. Yeah. Like like Kevin alluded to before, I was he was he was scared to take me on as a as a, as a customer because I knew my numbers. <laughs> yeah. Like you said before, there's a practice that's not doing any marketing. Yeah, you're going to move the dial big time once you start putting money in. Um, so yeah, I was like, Kevin, this is going to, I'm curious. He was curious. Um, so our, I, I guess our goals and the goals are going to be different for every practice. Like our practice is 14 years old and we want it to grow at greater than 10%. You know, when your practice is a two or three years old, you're growing at 30, 40%. But you know, beyond 10 years, the, the, that starts to level off. So we thought, you know what, we want to grow at least 10%. We've got, uh, you know, a couple associates that are younger. We wanted to keep them them busy. And we're thinking, you know, in, in 10 years, um, we're going to want to maybe exit the profession. Sure. Um, and, and my partner is an optometrist. And episode 63 really struck a chord with me, business partners and still married. So. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, that, was a, that was a fun episode to listen to. I mean, they're nice. much, much younger than uh, my my wife, Dr. Tina Goodhue. Um, but uh, yeah, I wanted to, um, you know, in 10, 15 years, we're going to look at exiting. So we want to make sure our practice is still growing. So our 
our we, we, we definitely had some goals like Kevin alluded to. So um, I was super excited after we turned the switch with Kevin's team. They built our website. I think we went live in June or July. You know, I gave him, you know, a month or two for everything to kick in. So we looked at basically Q4 of 2017 versus 2018. So in that three-month time frame, our, the revenue in our practice grew at 29%, which for a 14-year-old practice we thought was, yeah. was huge. Um, and we got a 20% increase in, in patients. Wow. Uh, many of them were new, so that helped keep our, our younger docs uh, busy. Traffic to the website, um, we were averaging about 1,200 visits per month, and we almost doubled that, so to maybe wow. 2,200, 2,300 hits per month. And a lot of that was organic. It wasn't it wasn't all paid because we were um, – the paid campaign, t- Kevin's team probably increased our hits maybe by 10%. The biggest thing we saw was on, on the organic side. Cool. So they made a lot of tweaks to the SEO of the of the website. So yeah, I was I was suitably impressed with the results of uh, of Kevin and his, and his team. I was I was actually quite shocked. Like I said before, I knew there was another level out there. I just knew it, uh, and I was hoping to hit it. And I think uh, I think we did. You know, I think cool. as as optometrists, you know, we're doctors, so we think you know I can learn how to do that. I could teach myself how to do that. Like I'm smart. I'm smarter than that. Like I can figure this out, right? And we're cheap too. Yeah, usually because we all <laughs> just paid off two hundred thousand dollars of loans. Yeah, I'm not gonna pay somebody ones. to do this. Yeah. I can do it my damn self. I can figure it out. But like, I think from your experience, Doctor Goodhue, I think it's a great example of the fact that like, a we can't do it all. To James, this is just a note to you. We don't have to do it all. <laughs> Jimmy thinks he can just do it all. I have to do everything. And. I don't know, some advice from an experts, like, you know, an optometrist, expert, marketer. What would yeah, you say I mean, if, to I, our listeners? I guess, you know what, it's, it, this, the space is changing so quickly. Um, you know, everyone's playing, all the big brands out there, whether it's optometry or non-optometry, flooding the marketplace with Google AdWords, Facebook ads. You really need to understand how that ad system works. Um, and if you don't have an expert uh, in your corner, you're going to waste a lot of money. Like Google and Facebook will happily take your money, no problem. Yeah. But are you getting clicks? Are you getting visits? Are you getting that right type of, of patient? And, um, you know, I, I thought it was fairly good with AdWords. and But I got so busy, I'd maybe lift the lid on my AdWords campaign once every three or four months. Yeah. You know, if you have a good agency, they're going to be in there every week making small little tweaks, A-B testing. I, I just didn't have time to do that. Yeah. Kevin, what do you think about people who, uh, Jimmy said this sort of earlier, but I was thinking about this, like when someone said, oh, I've, I've done that before. It didn't work. Like that doesn't work for me. I think about like if I was trying recently, I've been getting into like planting uh, indoor plants. I like love them. And I'm like, oh yeah, I can't grow a fiddly fig in my house. I just can't. But really I just have no idea what I'm doing. And I think I do. Right. So like, I don't know. (laughs) Do you get what I'm saying? Totally, yeah. So in uh, in some of the talks that I give, and I talk about Google AdWords specifically, I will ask the audience how many uh, have done this before. And usually I see 5% of the, the, the audience hands go up. And then I ask how many are still doing it, and very few are. And one of the questions I say is, why not? And they say, it wasn't working for me. And the, the question I always ask is, how many keywords were you bidding on? And the answer is always 10. 
I don't know why. It's like people build their campaign, they think 10's number, they stop and they're done. And I ask them, is one of your keywords glasses? Mm-hmm. And they go, yeah, of course. Okay, think about how many different types of glasses, and I mean categories of the word glasses, that somebody could be typing in. Yeah. And so when you, when you do it, when you're running marketing or campaign, you do it one way that may be an ineffective way. It doesn't mean it can't be done right. properly. And with the help and assistance, and, and, and to Jeff's point, it's so important that you, that you actually invest a little bit of time to understand, and that could just be asking the questions uh, of the people trying to sell it to you or working with you so you understand it enough to, to, to be able to engage back and forth because when you relay what's happening in your practice with their side of in terms of what's happening in, on the marketing side that's where you're going to see true progress and see it actually work and the other one is um, make sure that you invest enough money to get where you're going and the, the analogy I like to use is imagine marketing is your the marketing program is a sports car so it's a car you build and the results you want is the vacation that you want to get to so everyone wants to go really far. They want to go to the beach. And uh, some people will, will, will design a really good marketing program, uh, they will, which is a sports car. They're going to get to the beach really you know, fast. And then the marketing budget's the gas. And after all that, they put in a tiny little bit of gas. <laughs> and they back out of the garage. They, they, they hit the, the throttle, and they, they don't go anywhere. And they get really disappointed they didn't reach their destination because they didn't put enough gas in the car to get them there. And so, you know, you can take time to develop the right marketing uh, plan, but part of the plan is understanding how much budget you need in order to hit the objectives of what success looks like. And so it's just, it's important to, before you start, really know what is, what does success look like and what is it going to take for me to get there? Love it. Well, guys, this has been awesome. I'm sure our listeners are going to appreciate it just as much as I know Jimmy and I appreciate having you guys on here. Uh, We are really excited to tell everyone, too, that we are going to be joining Kevin and Marketing for Eye Care Providers at their annual uh, meeting or conference in California. This is going to be November third weekend <laughs> kevin uh, november 3rd <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. November 3rd, 4th. off yeah. the top of my yeah. head <laughs> we're gonna be actually jimmy and i are gonna be presenting at the conference so we're super excited and honored to be doing that um and we attended actually jimmy and i last year as just a basic attendees and we both really thought we were it was so basic last year <laughs> yeah we were really basic we were super <laughs> impressed by it we loved the conference we both took home a lot, a lot of good information and so we encourage all of our listeners. We'll have a link on our on our, uh, our website today, so check it out if you want to. Highly recommend it. It's an awesome conference to visit, and it's going to be just in San Francisco, just south of San Francisco. So definitely check it out. Anything else? Anything you want to bring up about the meeting, Kevin? Um, yeah. So it is. It is our second. It's called I Innovate. It is the the sales and marketing conference for eye care in the world and there's really no other show like this or no other meeting like this uh my partner trudy sheree which has been a, a guest on your uh, your podcast before this is sort of her yeah, crown jewel yeah trudy yeah so she uh she's an amazing event planner she plans events like nobody else uh, that i've ever seen and she uh she has put a ton of effort into building out the i brand and making sure that the lineup of speakers
stories are amazing. The topics are diverse. We have uh, workshops uh, such as like a, you can actually go and learn how to video blog or how to build an Instagram channel and, and what to do and what not to do. Uh, you're going to learn from industry experts, but also we've brought in some keynote speakers like Google and YouTube and, and Yelp. Uh, so you, it's really diverse, but it's all about uh, eye care and whether it's optometry or ophthalmology or uh, if you're an optician it, it's it's really for everybody um, but there's a, a ton of great knowledge that's shared we had a great time last year and we're very excited to be part of it this year how can people sign up or register yeah they can go to i innovate uh, so EYE, you know, everything in our industry has the EYE for I, uh, I innovate 2019.com and uh, they can buy tickets there. We actually also have a, a contest right now that they can enter to win uh, tickets as well. So oh, they cool. can go in and enter and uh, perhaps, you know, win their trip down. Very good. And we're, we're going to be doing some live podcasting and some videos and uh, recording there so if you're there please come and say hello to us also um and i think there's some other exciting news from kevin uh tomorrow yeah so i have been uh, spending most of this year actually writing a book all about digital marketing for yeah. kind of entrepreneurs so the Get book is copy. called click uh, transform your business through digital marketing and it hits amazon tomorrow morning wow yes congratulations Thank you. That is awesome. Writing a book. I mean, is that, I can't even imagine what that would be like. I mean, can you give us a 30 seconds on what you learned that you didn't think you would, that, you know, was sort of something you didn't expect from writing a book? Well, I knew it would take a long time. I did not anticipate how long it would take. And I, it, relatively, it was a short time frame in a calendar year because I did start in uh, January, but it has been a lot of hours and a lot of people involved from, yeah. uh, you know, just editing and uh, proofreading and, and really the strategy side of it to the marketing side. And so, uh, but it's been, it's been very interesting and uh, rewarding at the same time because uh, a lot of what I speak about and a lot of what's actually at I Innovate, uh, what we've kind of brought to the conference is put into this book. And so it's, it's awesome. all these sort of topics that the Jeff and I spoke about today and it's it kind of brought down into digestible pieces that uh, is an actionable item that you can take. Is it on audio <laughs> form? Uh, not yet, so it uh, it does take uh, a month or two before the audiobook. Uh, I'd be happy released. to do your audiobook because people just love our sultry voices so much. That'd be great. It's... I didn't write it for two people, but you know that can make it interesting. Yeah. Well, thanks again, guys. We had a great time. Yeah, thank you both. Yeah, thanks, James. Thanks, Ryan. Well, that about does it. Before we go, reach out to us for feedback, questions, story, things you want us to talk about, either on Instagram, Facebook, or call or text us. 920-350-8622. We never leave without saying thanks to Valley Contacts for their support, both for their amazing lenses they make and the great people they are to work with. And be sure and tune in and listen to our next episodes. But until then, try not to blink.